Welcome to Hospitals in Focus from the Federation of American Hospitals. Here's your host, Chip Kahn. It has a simple name, but a critically important role in assuring quality and safety of patient care, the Joint Commission. Since its inception, the Joint Commission's mission has been to continuously improve healthcare for the American public by assessing healthcare organizations. As this organization celebrates its 70th anniversary, a new leader is taking the reins with an eye to the future and assuring the Joint Commission becomes even more oriented to healthcare outcomes. Dr. John Perlin is just the seventh president and CEO of the Joint Commission, and he joins us to talk about his priorities and vision for the organization, as well as the direction he sees for healthcare quality evaluation. Welcome, John. Good to see you, Chip. It's um, a delight to be here with you, and uh, many thanks for all that you and the Federation have do and have been doing throughout COVID. I know together we're, we're big fans of all the folks at the front lines and leading healthcare during what probably is the most complex operational, political, and uh, financial time. Well, you really uh, hit the nail on the head, John, and really appreciate it. But let's get started. You've been at the helm of the Joint Commission since March. And before you started, Obviously, for many years, you were the president of clinical operations and chief medical officer at HCA Healthcare. Can you give us a little bit of background on this transition for you from being at the front lines and now joining, in a sense, the, one of the key assessors of healthcare organizations in the country, and I really should say internationally also? Well, it's, it's kind of funny, Chuck. Um, when they advertised the position description, they said they wanted someone had an academic background, had had government service, understood policy, and had worked in operations. It's about the closest my resume has ever matched a position description, uh, but uh, it really did and does prove to be the perfect background uh, for the work of the Joint Commission. The work in the government is particularly important in terms of the Joint Commission's relationship to CMS. CMS is the major sponsor Joint Commission, of course, works as an extension of the regulatory process for CMS in order that hospitals and other healthcare providers can participate in federal programs. The work at uh, MedPAC most recently has been tremendously helpful, uh, being a commissioner, uh, in terms of understanding some of the dimensions of the policy considerations of the Medicare uh, program uh, recently and, uh, by extension, what the implications are for quality and uh, performance for the Joint Commission. Of course, um, having had the privilege of serving as the CEO of the VA health system gave me great insight into the operational dimensions. Of course, being the president of clinical operations and chief medical officer at HCA not only gave me Uh, additional insights uh, into operations, but particular insight into the operations of the breadth of private sector hospitals right now and in this brutal cauldron of not only COVID, but uh, challenging and and divisive healthcare politics and a challenging economic environment where the issues of um, performance are just magnified by the incredible complexity of of the current environment. John, clearly you just are so well prepared for the new challenge. And I've heard you ask the question, why is the world better for having the Joint Commission? I'm now going to throw that back at you since you're at the helm and ask you, what is your answer as the leader now of this organization and seeing the mission 
through the lens of your vision for it, not someone else's? So I have to confess, Chip, I actually stole that question. I stole it from our mutual friend, Rick Pollack. And I got that question when I had the privilege of being a commissioner to the Joint Commission from the American Hospital Association roughly 15 years ago. And, um, you know, the Joint Commission is called the Joint Commission because the corporate members, the founding members, were the American Hospital Association, American Medical Association, American College of Surgeons, American Dental Association, uh, and the American College of Physicians. And every year, there was a corporate membership meeting at the Joint Commission, and Rick would ask that question, why is the world better? And if you believe that it is, then what can we do to, to make this an even stronger and better organization? Well, I didn't really appreciate the answer to that question until COVID. And uh, you and I watched together as 14,000 local municipal health departments across the country tried to grapple with the early requirements for COVID. How did you handle infection prevention? How did you count personal protective equipment? Well, you could either have 14,000 answers or you could have one answer. And the Joint Commission is a highly reliable, highly trained, highly skilled apparatus for assessing performance in order to participate in the federal programs like um, uh, Medicare and, uh, and Medicaid. And absent a Joint Commission, you know, there would be a couple of other ways that either don't have the depth of skills of the surveyors or have the potential for variation and uh, all, all sorts of um, potential, uh, you know, political considerations uh, were done at a state level. But uh, I think it answer is just so straightforward now. The Joint Commission offers a high-quality approach to assessing performance and um, compliance with conditions of participation to participate uh, in federal programs that without which uh, it would be a very painful, very distributed, very idiosyncratic uh, process. John, with that in mind, let's drill down into COVID because you mentioned COVID. You dealt with COVID on the front line in your time at HCA Healthcare. How do you see it changing the role of the Joint Commission and the quality evaluation that is basically your mission and purpose? That's a great question, Chuck. Um, uh, COVID really was a brutally sharp lens that defined the challenges that we have in uh, American healthcare even more greatly. At the very top of my priorities is health equity. And a lot of the work that uh, we, we had done and we're so proud of in HCA Healthcare that had really reduced things like um, uh, maternal mortality among women of color um, was challenged by the disparities that exist in the healthcare environment. If not for COVID itself, COVID so disrupted things outside of a hospital's control like access to prenatal care and care for continuing conditions that at the very top of my agenda is doing everything we can to use the, the Joint Commission as a mechanism to support improvements in health equity. A second area is uh, decarbonization. It turns out that healthcare in the United States accounts for about 10% of the U.S.'s entire carbon footprint. And it's kind of interesting, if healthcare were a country worldwide, it would account for, um, or it would be the fourth uh, greatest polluter globally. And it, it also uh, ties to health equity the inability to meet the challenges of climate change as well as um, the afflictions of diseases that are susceptible to um, uh, weather extremes like asthma uh, also um, uh, co-occur with social vulnerabilities. 
So reducing that carbon footprint is the second priority. And the third uh, is one that I know you are working with, with your member organizations, and that's on workforce. Right now, there is this just perfect storm that pits the needs of, of, of patients, of communities, and of the healthcare workers themselves uh, at, at, at some odds. And we have to find better models of, of, of care so that we can meet the needs, first and foremost, patients, the communities that hospitals, healthcare organizations are privileged to serve, and, and the healthcare workers themselves in terms of having a reasonable work life uh, and uh, well-being. So how do we, as we move forward, think about new models of care? How do we assess those for quality, uh, both in terms of the human models, uh, how do teams come together and in new ways with different skill sets? And how does technology become utilized to not only support care in formal healthcare settings, but distribute care virtually as, um, uh, as we've certainly witnessed with COVID? John, one of the things you've mentioned to me recently is as you've gotten started, you actually have now been out on full hospital surveys, uh, both domestically in the United States and internationally. What are the insights uh, you can provide our listeners from actually going through with your Joint Commission staff the work of evaluating hospitals uh, on the front line? So, Chip, I'm pleased to report that I've been a silent observer, both domestically and uh, abroad. Joint Commission International operates in 73 countries. So I've now done um, some surveys, and um, the truth is that I wish I had actually tracked a survey on the receiving end from start to finish. It was really an insightful process. So I have four observations. First, the surveyors are really good. They're highly skilled individuals. They're not the surveyors of your who are, well, potentially past their prime. These are surveyors who are really at top of, uh, of game and understand healthcare delivery and life safety and contemporary clinical practice. Second, the three words that I used to describe the sense of the survey was that it was, of course, an accountable process, but it was collaborative and educational. And third, demonstrate that. The two words that I heard the most from surveyors to folks around uh, the hospitals that I observed surveys at were, were show me. Show me what you do in, in the case of uh, a fire, for example, or show me how you'd sterilize or show me how you'd maintain sterile process and compounding a medication in the pharmacy, as an example. But fourth, and I think this is the most important thing, I didn't realize what an extraordinary synthetic view you get of a hospital's operation, its performance. It's not just infection prevention in the ICO. It's infection prevention in the OR, in sterilization processes, in compounding, in the pharmacy. How do all these things come together? I'll give you an example. Um, so this is um, somewhere in a hospital, somewhere in the world, where it's really interesting. And it has to do with life safety, fire safety in particular. You know, imagine a hospital where, you know, generally the signage is pretty good, but there's some problems with signage. Imagine an environment where the egress is pretty good, but not perfect. Imagine an environment where there's been some drilling, but not consistently. Imagine an environment where there's some challenges of physical location. Well, everything I've described are potentially challenges for hospitals anywhere in the country. But imagine if those all come together with a little bit of a challenge here, a little bit of a challenge there. Here's the entity that sees it in the aggregate and can raise the flag and say, you know, all of these challenges individually are perhaps not alone significant, 
But in the aggregate, they're really risky. How are we going to address that type of risk? And so knowing that the surveyors are good, seeing the process being accountable yet collaborative and educational, and asking how staff do their work was really a revealing process. And just to give you an example of the surveyors sort of show me, at a nursing unit at a hospital with respect to fire safety, I remember the surveyors asking, well, what would you do if there were a fire? And um, with a lot of turnover, these were newer nurses, clearly committed to mission, clearly caring. Uh, they said, we'll call the emergency number. And um, you know, the question was, okay, what is that number? People kind of looked around. Um, the life safety surveyor asked, well, sometimes it's on your card. Uh, believe me, in that moment, every nurse in the hospital knew that uh, emergency number was on the card. That word uh, gets around. So just a, a, a very good process and something that is really synergistic and cannot accrue, even though I'm heavily committed to moving to a more data-driven and predictive mechanism for surveying, something that cannot accrue either virtually and without walking a facility, literally, sub-basement to roof and wing to wing. These surveys really have been the main function and the way the, the Joint Commission's done its job since the early 1950s with its inception. Uh, obviously, it had uh, roots earlier in the century. But one of the roles that that fits to is this relationship which has also been historical with Medicare and Medicaid, with the advent of both programs in the mid-60s, the Joint Commission was a key player in terms of helping the government assure that beneficiaries received good and safe care in hospitals particularly. Can you talk a bit about what your objectives are for this relationship? How strong do you feel it is? uh, And uh, how do you plan to work to improve it? So um, this is a critically important relationship because it's an interface between all of our colleagues at field at the very front lines of care uh, and the government. And the Joint Commission enjoys the privilege of being in the middle of this relationship because of what's called deeming authority. And that is meeting Joint Commission accreditation allows a facility, healthcare facility, to be deemed to be in compliance with CMS's conditions of participation. So let's take this at, um, at, at two levels. So first and fundamentally, the survey needs to absolutely validate to CMS that a facility is indeed in compliance. There are a set of standards that CMS has. Some of those standards um, emanate from regulation, that is their executive branch prerogative, and others are in statute, their law. And through a good CMS relationship, we're beginning to create an opportunity to have dialogue about how we move those standards to become more contemporary, more efficient, and ultimately more effective. But obviously, regulation and um, uh, and statute take a great deal of effort to make change. A second set of standards come from OSHA, and they're all about the protection of the healthcare worker um, um, themselves. And these standards are really foundational. There are a third set of standards that come from the Joint Commission themselves. I think in contrast to other mechanisms of demonstrating conditions of participation compliance, they really allow a facility to articulate that they are performing at a higher level. There are many more Joint Commission standards than there are federal standards. But um, having 
been through the actual survey and seeing how these standards really affect life safety and infection prevention and things that I know from my career as a health services researcher to be a best practice. It's an area where it can help shape a quality and safety agenda for a facility and help demonstrate a really exceptional performance in those areas relative to conditions of um, participation. So my having been in government, my having been on on the policy end of advising Congress through um, uh, MedPAC, uh, really helps me understand to a greater degree the CMS needs. And my having been in operations uh, and and government really helps me understand the operational implications. Uh, So I think uh, desire to both support the, the facility's effectiveness in all the required dimensions and my ability to understand the requirements, the parameters within which uh, CMS operates allows us to build a much better and more effective um, uh, relationship. And I'm absolutely delighted to be working with colleagues like uh, Lee Fleischer, the chief medical officer, uh, and John Blum in the administrator's office, and the clinical compliance, safety, and quality team with Michelle Schreiber and um, uh, other leaders to really help us meet their needs and help facilities perform at the highest level in our common interest, which is the best performing healthcare that we can have. You know, following up on that, John, in terms of acute care hospital quality and performance measurement, obviously you've got the government, uh, CMS, uh, you have private payers, you have the Joint Commission, you have uh, other stakeholders who call on healthcare providers and hospitals to provide the results of measurement, but uh, it's a little bit of a Tower of Babel sometimes from the standpoint of the provider trying to comply. Should we be moving towards a single platform that everyone uses in terms of quality and performance measurement? Uh, What role uh, would you see the Joint Commission playing if it is the right direction to be moving towards some kind of unification of all the expectations of measurement on hospitals particularly? Yeah, the Joint Commission enjoys uh, a dual role, um, predominantly as a measure evaluator, but um, in the development of standards as a measure developer. Standards are effectively measurements. And, um, you know, just getting back to first principles, you and I have had a great deal of discussion on this, is that we need to have a common set of metrics across healthcare that help us demonstrate safety and quality and equity um, to ac- access and um, uh, experience and um, meeting patient need, function, patient-reported outcomes. We don't have that, but uh, Chip, I want to applaud your work, National Quality Forum with Measures Application Partnership, and you know, really helping to, to move our country to uh, having a common language for assessing different dimensions of healthcare performance uh, and value. Obviously, we're not there yet, but I think you know my disposition, which is to move toward that. And, you know, I have a couple of beliefs. First, um, standards fundamentally are the interrogative of a recommendation, and that recommendation has to be based on evidence. And so whether the measures emanate from elsewhere, whether they're measures that we developed, uh, I think it's important that uh, we are increasingly transparent in terms of identifying what the basis is uh, for measurement. Second, that we have that common vernacular to be able to compare across settings and really learn from best practices on particular measurement. Uh, and third, um, you know, that I see the survey of the future being a hybrid, being very data-driven based on those measurements and the assessment of um, Uh, outcomes uh, in particular for conditions and parsed by 
demographics, for example, including race, ethnicity, language, hair, and uh, importantly, condition. Also, I I think you heard me speak to the value of just hands-on, eyes-on, working with healthcare providers. And uh, so that see that survey of the future as really being a hybrid between being more intensively data-driven, focused on predictive analytics, not just retrospective, and uh, coupled with um, uh, hands-on evaluation and verification, as I think is both uh, inherently important, but as is also required and likely to continue to be required by CMS in terms of conditions of participation. Now let's uh, focus back on one of your key priorities that we've sort of covered in the last few comments, the measurement area. It's this growing shortage in workforce. And it's frankly something that of all the challenges probably is the one that keeps operators of hospitals particularly up at night, but it's really affecting the entire uh, healthcare field. What role can the Joint Commission play here from a safety standpoint and, and a well-being standpoint for staff and also helping hospitals particularly navigate to assure that we have the workforce we need for the patient care that uh, those who come to our hospitals expect? I think there are three dimensions in which the Joint Commission can contribute. One, advocacy. Two, improvement. And three, assurance. So let's start with the advocacy. The Joint Commission has some fundamentally three responsibilities for advocacy. The first is is really to a patient, making sure that the, the patient gets the safest and highest quality care possible. Second, um, there's advocacy for the community. And and I think this is important because the issue that's so vexing within uh, workforce is that some of the proposed remedies would actually offer potential benefit to healthcare workers, but potentially at the detriment to services in a community. Let me come back to that. Uh, And of course, um, uh, our advocacy has to be to those healthcare workers themselves. Uh, candidly, I, I would um, uh, confess that when some proposed extending the triple aim to the quadruple aim and including healthcare worker well-being, I felt it was too self-referential, too self-indulgent. But given the challenges of COVID, I think we have to absolutely commit to building a healthier work environment for those who, who care at the very front lines. And so when you then think about the advocacy for patient, community, and and health worker, it moves you to improvement. And I I know we tend to think of um, a joint commission on the one hand as central to the compliance requirements for participation in CMS, but joint commission has a long and distinguished history of contributing to the health services research, the science of of quality and, and performance. And um, I I mentioned that Joint Commission has not only the international activity, but Joint Commission resources as a mechanism for working with institutions and convening to actually advance the dialogue on topics of um, particular importance. And this is, of course, one. And the insurance is uh, obviously the role of compliance in making sure that the quality is, in fact, safe and effective. But um, when, when you dive into the issues, Some would put forward proposals that on the surface seem reasonable, but if you dissect them, become problematic. So one of the proposals has been with the attrition, the unprecedented attrition, simply have staffing ratios since the issue is worker burnout. Would that really work? Well, there are 
number of articles that um, show that for certain conditions, there are better outcomes for some nurse-sensitive indicators. On the other hand, in entire states like California, where there have been staffing ratios and, in fact, um, statute that says, hey, you have to preserve a number of other services, I wish we could point to data that say that the outcomes for patients are categorically better. And so there is a big health services research question. How do you actually simultaneously assure a work environment that's reasonable for caregivers and the best possible staffing for facilities, the absence of which would lead, as we have observed, and and Chip, I'm sure you know these data better than I do, as we are observing right now, the closure of not only services, but full units on on hospitals. And so um, this is one of the areas where Joint Commission is participating in a work group at, at IHI to help examine recommendations that can help to reconcile the interests of the community, the interests of the care provider, and fundamentally supporting the quality and safety uh, to patients. There are no easy answers uh, in this, but uh, I believe the answers will be found in two areas. One, new models for care. How do we actually think not about rigid rules like here's a staffing ratio, but how do we put together the ideal team and match that team to the needs of a patient? How do we better support nurses with advanced resource nurses? How do we actually bring the medical and the nursing teams together more closely to really guide uh, the therapy? What are other support services that can actually give time back to, to nurses so they can do the most professional work at the top of, um, of their license? How do we reduce burdensome regulatory requirements? To how do we make systems more friendly like uh, electronic health records? In other words, how do we actually bring together certain aspects of technology to create better human resources for care. And I alluded to technology. That's the other set of solutions. How do we actually allow more junior nurses to get the decision support they need, perhaps through extra systems uh, and technologies? How do we use technology to automate processes that now require human labor? How do we use technologies to make sure time's not lost and finding equipment, uh, materials, but rather use technology to make sure that um, equipment and material is in front of the care provider at the time that that it's needed. So this is a really big, vexing question. I think you and I are going to be facing uh, the implications of this question uh, with our colleagues at the front line for the next decade. John, just in a sense, as you've noted, that a one-size-fits-all probably won't work in the workforce area. We have this other area, which was one of your priorities, which is equity and particularly in the context of what we've learned from COVID. This is a real point of emphasis for the administration, for HHS, for CMS and the programs they administer. How does the Joint Commission fit into improving health equity for Americans so that all Americans that are treated in hospitals and other healthcare organizations can feel like they receive uh, the best care they can possibly get that's suited to their specific needs? Well, Chip, I I think the answer is similar to the three dimensions of the previous question, advocacy, improvement, and assurance. In terms of advocacy, it's something that we are deeply committed to as an extension of mission and vision that all people always receive the best care and the emphasis on all people. 
In terms of um, improvement, uh, I think we have a tremendous privilege of being a convening mechanism to bring the best thought together. And in terms of assurance, we can use the tools of um, uh, both accreditation and higher level certifications to really help align toward advancing healthcare equity. Beginning January 1st, in support of um, both the administration's interests and our own values, we're introducing six new standards. And some may say these standards don't go far enough, but we want to make sure that um, the tide can help to raise all, all ships. And here they are. The first one is that every accredited entity would designate a leader for health equity whose role is to focus. It can be someone who has another role, perhaps the chief nursing executive, perhaps the chief medical officer, but someone who's really leading um, the clinical healthcare uh, equity. At HCA, we had a chief diversity equity inclusion officer, absolutely fantastic individual, Sherry Neal. She, with our chief nursing executive, Jane Engelbright, and, and I as the chief medical officer, would have fulfilled this leadership requirement. Second, there's an assessment of health-related social needs. And obviously, the hospital can't be all thanks to all people. But um, so many of the problems that hospitals grapple with, like readmission, uh, are directly related to, to not meeting certain health-related social needs. Simplest, perhaps, transportation back to um, uh, one's um, home environment, as an example. Third, stratifying the quality and safety data. And uh, we learned a tremendous amount by stratifying our data um, when I had an operational role. And uh, I, I think that'll help to not only drive um, uh, better attention to um, uh, demographics, uh, but uh, also identifying of disparities that uh, one may not be uh, aware existed, uh, and more importantly, working toward remediating. Uh, and that leads to fourth, which is creating an action plan. Choose something. Choose one thing uh, and identify an action plan to address reduction of disparity. Fifth, and this is really an extension of the last, is evaluate the effectiveness of the action plan. Uh, and sixth, an extension as well, which is to really share that action plan by informing stakeholders, the governance, the board, the medical staff, uh, and the staff on the progress uh, on that. So those are six things that will be coming forward uh, as new standards as part of the accreditation process starting January 1st. Second, to drive things at a further level, the Joint Commission will be recognizing entities annually through the Bernard Tyson Equity Award, which is really focused on acknowledging uh, measurable and sustained decreases in healthcare disparity. And so I want to encourage uh, application details on the Joint Commission website. And third, to get to a higher level, you know, accreditations are, are, are the fundamental requirement for participating, as, as we've discussed. But certifications are voluntary, and we will be introducing a, a certification and advanced um, uh, healthcare equity, and uh, more to come on that um, uh, later in the year. But we're working on that um, uh, right now uh, as a way in which uh, interested organizations can align with us, um, with peers, uh, and and really tackle uh, some of these challenges that um, get in the way, as our vision offers all people always experiencing the highest quality and safest healthcare. John, we just so appreciate your service at uh, as in the academic community as one of the leaders at VA as a MedPAC commissioner for many many years at at HCA Healthcare and we really just look forward to your leadership in meeting the challenges at the Joint Commission and really helping both frankly in the United States and internationally move 
the quality and performance of healthcare organizations by uh, the role that you're going to play. So we wish you all the luck. And you've just been there since March, but I'm I'm sure the place is already shaking. <laughs> it, I, I do bring a different approach. And um, Chip, maybe in closing, um, you know, it's really wonderful to have immediate operational experience and bring that to a policy and regulatory environment. Uh, and um, that is changing things. And um, uh, I, I hope that people will find for the better uh, because I know we share belief and driving quality, safety, and value. And it's really in that vein that uh, I want to thank you for your exceptional leadership. And I know I join with you in, uh, in thanking all of our peers uh, across the front lines of healthcare, across the, the leadership suites who've been working so very hard uh, in a complex environment, not only on those goals, uh, but on those goals with all of the challenges of the moment. So thanks for the opportunity to be here with you. Well, I just appreciate that, John. And you know, in our society, particularly change agents uh, make a difference, and uh, you've always been one. And just, as I said, look forward to a long tenure there at the Joint Commission. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to Hospitals in Focus from the Federation of American Hospitals. Learn more at FAH.org. Follow the Federation on social media at FAH Hospitals and follow Chip at ChipCon. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Hospitals in Focus. Join us next time for more in-depth conversations with healthcare leaders.